Because we've had so many great things happening and uh, already tonight, um, we, I want to turn the mic over sooner to um, Karina Lout, who's going to be preaching. And um, as, I, as I introduce her, um, I, I so, um, I'm just going to talk to you, Karina. I so appreciate you. Uh, over the years, um, not only watching you grow through um, adversity and pain and just become more and more of the amazing true you, but how you are so willing to open your heart and share so vulnerably that just draws people in. And you guys, she, God has given her such favor, and it's, and it's becoming crazy favor. She's going, she's been invited to campuses, college campuses and stuff. She's speaking the kingdom in places, but she has this grace to do it where she goes deep and talks about all kinds of kingdom things and they want her back and nobody wants to go anywhere. And it just, it's amazing. So sometimes I don't think we even know the treasures we have in our midst, but would you just bless and honor Karina Lau? Thank you. Okay, way to make me cry, Brent, in a good way. Oh, it can go lower. I'm so not that low. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's been so good, so rich already, and I hope to add my flavor to that in some way. So, um, yeah. Um, I, um, I started out this year very hopeful and excited over what God was doing. I... I had all this anticipation, and God was doing a lot of things in my heart, and what I viewed as impossibilities, I suddenly felt like there, things were possible. And then things got really hard uh, in the month of January. It was like so many things kept happening, and good things, and hard things, and I, I felt like uh, everything was closing in on me. Like, suddenly my world was getting smaller. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like, you can't get enough air to breathe. And so I don't know if anybody else has been going through that, but I'm going to pray for you before I start what um, God's put on my heart. I, I pray, Jesus. Go ahead and close your eyes. I know you've received a lot already, but let's go for more. Jesus, I pray, Father, for open space. For everyone in this room, Father, for the places where they felt squeezed and things are closing in on them, where they feel like they can't get enough air to breathe, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and breathe new life into each person right now. I'm such a visual person, so I love when the Lord takes me out into big meadows and open spaces, so I pray that you would just see a a big open space for yourself to heal, to process with Jesus whatever you need to process with him, to breathe, and to dream. This as Suzanne was sharing a few weeks ago. Some of you need to really dream again and believe that God is going to do some things in your life. So, Father, thank you for that open big space for each person here to run and dance and to be free. And thank you that you're taking them out of um, those challenging places, Father, into um, new life. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Can I have a clicker? Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, thank you. I'm going to talk to you guys. I have a few different things on my heart, and we'll see how much, uh, what Jesus wants to bring up. But I have a few things on my heart, and hopefully it will all come back to the center. Um, But I do want to talk about surrendering to uh, Jesus' leadership in our lives and what that looks like. Uh, We, at the beginning of the year after the elders went on our retreat, we really felt like God was putting on our heart to... um, take us back to the place of receiving Jesus as our king and our Lord and our shepherd and what that looks like in our life. So I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Um, So Todd shared a little bit last week that it was really good, really good. If you didn't, if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to the podcast, but he did share how Probably the first 10 years of our, our marriage, we were in a place where we were completely reliant on God. Um, we, for everything, and not always because we wanted to, but a lot of times because we really felt like we had to, and it was good. Uh, we really felt like God built this crazy faith on the inside of us, um, and it was good. And even though it was such an intimate time with God there, and I feel like he really strengthened our history, we have such a rich history with God in the first 10 years of our marriage, um, I found myself getting really fearful that we'd ever have to live like that again. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, where, you know, it's so good where you're living by faith every day, but it's like I I really got comfortable, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but God was showing me that when I value my comfortability over um, the best he has for me, then I'm really missing out on what it looks like to trust him. And I, I just don't want to miss out on that. And so... I am going to choose discomfort, and as much as I uh, don't want to be accountable for saying that, now I'm saying it to all of you, um, yeah, like Brent was was saying, uh, I have gone to a few places that have made me really uncomfortable, so whenever an opportunity comes up, it usually looks like this, it's usually an advocacy event or something talking about human trafficking or speaking to high schoolers or whatever it is, and it, it looks like this, I say, ooh, yes, that is my passion, I'm going to do that, and I say, I'll, yes, yes, I'm going to do that, put it on my calendar, and then time goes on, and then whenever the time comes, I say, what was I thinking, why would you say yes to that? you're crazy. And then fear and worry creeps in. And I think, oh my gosh, I am going to put myself out there, be vulnerable, and it's going to be scary. And I don't know what to expect. And then my family encourages me. People I love encourage me, my friends. And then usually, typically goes pretty well. And then they all say, I told you so, especially my son. He always tells me, see, mom told you it was going to go well. So I want to encourage you that if you're waiting to do something until you're not scared or you're waiting until um, it doesn't require trust, you're going to be waiting a really long time. (laughs) So usually the things God calls you to is going to require a whole lot of trust and it's going to, you're going to be uncomfortable and you're, you're, if you're afraid, that's usually a good thing because you're going to really need courage. So it takes a, a whole lot of trust 
and surrender to um, to surrender areas in our life and in our heart that we still feel like we're in process. But I want to encourage you; it's a really good thing. Okay, let's let's see. Okay, so unanswered questions I have a lot of those can usually leave you feeling pretty confused. And for me, whenever I felt you know, when you've ever felt like a demand, like I have to have an answer, I find myself logically trying to put God in a box into my paradigm of limited understanding of what I think he's doing or who he is. And I want to encourage you that your questions are just as important as the answers you've already gotten. Um, Because we're inviting mystery and we're inviting more truth to come in. So whenever we get to that place like, Oh, I, I, I know it all. Oh, my goodness. That's not a good place to be. We want to continually invite mystery into our lives. I love movies where characters are complex and there's a lot of layers and when I have to pay real close attention and ask a lot of questions and the ending doesn't necessarily have to be all nice and tidy. Those Those are kind of the movies that I like. I know that's not for everyone. But... Jesus doesn't mind our questions, and he, he doesn't mind our messes, and he, that's where you're going to find him, right in the middle of those unanswered questions. So don't be afraid of those things. Don't be afraid of, of the places where you still don't know, and, and let's be real careful not to try to logically figure something out and fill in those blanks because God, God's going to talk to us. He will. He'll speak to you. So you with that. Thank you. So it takes a whole lot of vulnerability to surrender, to throw your arms up in the air and say, God, I, I give in. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that place. I have lots of times where I say, um, I'm going to stop doing things in my own strength, and I need your leadership. I need you, Jesus, to be the king of my heart, to lead me. I need, I need that because control um, can be so much easier than trust. Uh, I'm speaking from experience. It, 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 it's a, it has this false illusion of protecting us when we want to control. Um, but it, it really doesn't protect us in the long run. But sometimes control just seems a little bit easier because trust co- is, uh, requires us to be vulnerable. And we, I don't always want to be vulnerable. I, I want to know. I want to do it myself. And we're kind of built like that a lot of times, but the more we can surrender our hearts to him and, and invite him into those places, oh my goodness, that is such a good place to be in. So this is how Jesus surrendered. Every time I read this scripture, it makes me cry, so I'm going to try to get through this. This is Philippians 2. Jesus existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. Jesus became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man, and he was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness, and he has now been given the name, given the greatest of all names. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for surrendering yourself. 
Thank you for the way that you became human so that you can relate to us, so that you can get in our mess, so that you model for us what it's like to surrender our hearts, Jesus. We so want to be like you. We so want to be submitted to the Father. In the places that we feel afraid and don't know what that's going to look like, Jesus, give us courage. Yeah. So I really um, like this definition of surrender. Can you guys see this? Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm kind of short. Um, So petite, thank you. This definition of surrender, to agree to stop fighting, hiding, resisting, to give the control to someone else. Doesn't that sound like fun? (laughs) Sounds like so much fun. So what I want to say about this is that in order for us to really trust and surrender, it's so vital that we know the true nature and heart of God. Because how can you surrender to a God that you you don't know his heart? And if you don't know his nature... If we don't really know how good he is, then we can't be certain that we will know how he's going to use his power. Because in the earthly sense, we usually associate power with uh, control or even abuse. And and many times that, that does happen with people that are in power. But Jesus is so not like that. He's so not. He's so opposite. Jesus uses his power to heal us, to love us, and to make all things work together for our good. And we may not fully understand his ways, but when we know his true nature, surrendering becomes much more inviting, doesn't it? Because we know that he loves us and he's for us, and so how could we not want to give our all to him? How could we not want to worship extravagantly like we did? You know, it's always so easy in worship sometimes when you have these amazing songwriters who say the overwhelming, reckless love of God and and I'm like, I give you, I give it all to you, Jesus. I lay it all at your feet, and then day to day, it's in those little things sometimes, those moments. And Jesus pays attention. He knows, he sees the sacrifices that you've made, and it really looks like something in our lives every day. And I, I want to stop and tell you right now, I'm so proud of you. I know some of your stories. I know the sacrifices a lot of you make all the time. And the questions you have and the pain you've experienced looking out at, I've heard so many of your stories and I, I'm extremely proud of you and the Father is so much more. How you continually look at him and, and choose him over and over again in the midst of so much adversity, in the midst of all the other choices, I, I'm proud of you. You guys are a good job, keep going. Feeling a little mushy tonight. Worship will do that to you. Jesus will do that to you. So the disciples weren't, were so concerned with prominence. They were concerned with position. And then Jesus, as the amazing man that he is, he shows them that humility and love are what makes him such a trustworthy leader in their lives. I'm going to read Matthew 18. This is... Um, the Passion Translation. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I will read it anyway. So, at that time, the disciples came to ask Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. 
Whoever continually humbles himself to be like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. And if you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. But if anyone abuses one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment he deserves. It sounds scary, but Jesus takes, he takes it very seriously. Um, he, doesn't, he didn't take being a king lightly. He doesn't, he doesn't want to just be our savior. He wants to be the king. And we, it's, it's, I think it's easier sometimes because I know for me, Jesus was my savior. He literally saved me from death so many times in my life. And so I know him as savior, but learning to receive him as a king, as a leader, as a shepherd in my life, it's a little bit of a slower um, process for me. And I think it is for a lot of people. So I want to give you guys tons of grace as we're talking about this. Um, Because we haven't always had the best examples in our life either. So when the disciples made, made mistakes, Jesus... He, he was so good. He used those mistakes as, uh, as teaching moments to show them what the kingdom of God really looked like. He led by example. And he was a kind and loving shepherd, yet he uh, challenged everyone around them, around him. And he wasn't afraid to set boundaries. He, he made decisions, and he didn't always explain why. Um, but yet he was kind and loving. And um, so that, that's, that's a challenge for all of us. And whether you're a leader at, you know, you're a, maybe you have a position at work or you're a mom, a dad, this all applies, you know, in our, our lives as, um, as we lead and also as we're receiving him too. So it's, Jesus modeled it so perfectly for us. And I was even thinking about in Matthew, do you guys remember when, uh, the disciples couldn't heal the young boy, and Jesus says to them, how long have, do I have to put up with you guys? I, I was just reading that recently. He's like, how long do I have to put up with you? How long, how long um, am I going to be with you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus even sometimes got frustrated. And I, it almost, it just made me laugh because um, I was like, wow, there's, there's such grace. And, but he did it so well. He really led really well. And another one is... Um, that really invited uh, God's God's um, invited God to speak into his life was David, and he he allowed God to correct him when necessary. And I've been really loving this Psalm one thirty nine in the Passion Translation. I read this actually every day, pretty much. Uh, one thirty nine verse twenty three. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. And, and it's so good. Isn't that good in the Passion Translation? That if there's any path of pain that we're walking on, Jesus, will you will you gently guide me back to the right path where I can see you clearly? And he, he always does. He's so good like that. I, 
I just think what kind of vulnerability and courage does it take to open your heart completely to God like that? It takes a whole lot. And, and even more so, um, I'm going to take another, we're going to talk about how this applies to, um, to the people God's entrusted us with, to the people in our own life. What does that look like um, in the family that God's called you to or the one that he wants you to do life with? Some of you, this is your home church. Some of you, you're visiting and all of that. So I want you to, to think about this, um, how it applies in your own life. So for our church, we, um, we do have something called a Blazing Fire Connection. So that's for people that choose to belong to this church family. And you say, I'm in, I want to do life with you. And so the elders, we really spent a lot of time putting together a document, and it's on our the front page of our website. You can check it out there. But so part of that document says it talks about the benefits and responsibilities of belonging to a church family. And we talk about um, having a greater sense of community and belonging, living in a Holy Spirit-led environment. And then we talk about this. So there's this other part that says um, a benefit is receive loving and honest feedback from our leadership to help you mature and grow. Have greater accountability because when you're in deep relationships with people you care about, you become much more aware of how much your life truly impacts others. And so accountability, what, what does accountability looks like? Hey, is your heart still tender towards Jesus? It, has your heart become hard? Because I, I know when I first became a Christian, I, I didn't really like that word because I didn't understand so much. It felt scary to me. Um, but it's really asking one another, the ones that you've invited um, to speak into your life, to say, hey, um, are you still burning for him? Is your heart still alive and awake, um, alive to him? So, you know, when we're all in the honeymoon phase, this, this up here sounds, it sounds really good. And people say, I'm all in. But then challenges come. And then we actually have to live it out. And it's not so fun anymore. <laughs> um, we actually step into the arena and we, we see what this is going to look like. I, I want to say that, you know, if you didn't grow up with parents that made it safe for you to grow and for you to receive correction, this is really scary stuff. If you had teachers or leaders in your life who hurt you, then, you know, it's not so easily, trust isn't so easily given. And I know I was definitely on that end of the spectrum where it took me a while to really learn how to trust. And even still, I... I I still struggle with that sometimes because we're all human. We make mistakes, and even the leadership here, we make mistakes. And, yeah, Todd and I as parents, we've made tons of mistakes. We have. People always say, your kids are so great and awesome. And I say, I know. It's the grace of God. Um, and we had a little bit to do with that, but we really made mistakes, and I mean, there was times we had to take our kids aside and say, look, I am sorry. We did this wrong. We probably should have handled things differently. So um, there's grace in that. There's grace for all of us. 
But for a long time, I really felt like I never measured up, and I really struggled. I felt like I had to do everything perfectly, so when I would receive correction, I would crumble. I would fall apart. And that's not anybody else's um, fault. That is me needing to really uh, get healing in that area because it's important to allow people that you trust to speak into your life. And so I really never received it in a safe place, and I was always really afraid of... I actually don't feel like I need to go there about past stuff with parents, but um, it, it took a while for me to really trust and to learn that um, people were for me. And Jesus began to heal my heart, and I started to invite people to speak into my life, people I, um, that God you know, has put into my life, like Brent and Suzanne and others, Russ and Susan. They have a place to speak into my life. My friends definitely do, and some of them are in here. But I know I have blind spots, and my pain doesn't always allow me to see things clearly or to see situations clearly. So I feel like all of us have some blind spots in some areas, and that's where we need each other. And um, and I, I know this is all scary stuff, but we're getting there, and it's so good. And Jesus modeled this for us. So I'm really, really grateful for the ones who have spoken into my life because I know that they're for me. And that's where, um, that's, that's what we need to know. It's like Todd and I, when we work through stuff in marriage, we don't, you know, we have our challenges too. It's not perfect all the time. Surprise. But I have to know that he, he loves me and that he's for me. So otherwise... It's really challenging, but I really feel like uh, Todd and I even avoided a lot of potholes along the way because of um, people in our life who said, hey, you know, I already went down that road, and you should avoid this this path because um, you could, you know, avoid an unnecessary accident. So I'm grateful for that, really grateful, and we need that. We all need that in our life, and... Um, no, nobody's going to do it perfectly either. So I know when I was a teenager, I would um, I struggled quite a bit, and I would stay out all night with my boyfriend and got into lots of trouble. And I remember my parents divorced when I was young, and my mom, she had to go back to work. She was really busy, and I would just want someone to notice that I stayed out all night. I, I really, that's all I was looking for was for someone to notice me and you know we were created we were created to want freedom and we're created to be free and at the same time we want to feel protected and i really was looking in all the wrong places to feel protected and loved and it didn't look like that at all but boundaries to me uh, looking back now i see wow boundaries to me really equaled love when people in my life love me enough to say, hey, I don't, you can avoid this, or um, I, want, I want to love you, I want to protect you, that equals love. So for where we are going, um, God's really doing some incredible things in all of our lives individually and corporately. We, we just cannot continue doing things on our own in isolation and self-sufficiency. And I really feel like God was showing me kind of like we're at this crossroads where he's showing us that, you know, what you do really matters. And how much 
it affects everybody else in the body, in your church family, in the world, in the kingdom. It really does affect other people. And I feel like America especially, we have this independent sort of take care of me mentality. And so that's really done us a disservice. And whenever I've been to Cambodia and Uganda and other places, and you really start to see family, there's there's other struggles there too, but you, you kind of see in other cultures the way they do life and they do family in other places. And we really become, you know, very much self-absorbed sometimes and kind of t- we just take care of our own. And, of course, that's changing and the church is really showing, we're really created to show the world that we are going to do things differently. But so real connection is going to require lots of vulnerability because it means you're not just living for yourself. We are not living for ourselves. Did you know that? It feels like it sometimes because we're the ones that wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I have this in front of me. You could lay in bed at night and you have this list of all these challenges you have and you feel like it's all on you. But we are really family. We are really not just living for ourselves. And it's very countercultural to think differently, to start thinking that way. But like Suzanne was sharing a few weeks ago about all the victories that everyone has had this last year. And I was getting so excited. I, was, I think that night I was with the kids, so I was listening on podcast. And I was getting so excited as Suzanne was sharing those. And I was thinking, yes, those are my victories too. And all of your victories, it's like we all, we all share. I get just as excited about your victories that I, than I do about my own. And I'm cheering you guys on just as much. So um, I know when Todd and I, when our kids are hurting, when they're struggling, then everything stops. You know, we stop. We shut the doors like nobody else matters. We have a whole lot of people in our life, young people and different ones that we adore and love. But when our own kids are hurting, it's like, okay, (laughs) everything stops. Uh, We don't keep running and we stop. We, we, don't, we don't say, oh, let's keep going while they, while they sit on the sidelines. We wait until everyone is well and healed up, and then we get back on the course again. We, we stop for the one, and that is what we are called to do for each other, too. Um, this is a little side story I think I can tell, but when, um, when our kids were younger, some of you can relate to this, but you know when you take them to the amusement park, and we lived in Missouri, so we would take our kids to Silver Dollar City, which is, it was a fun little amusement park, 19, what was the theme? Eight, 1800s theme, it was a cute little amusement park, but we knew when they were little that when we'd go that, well, hey, Josiah, I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> When we take you guys to Silver Dollar City, we knew we would pull out that big stroller for the little one, for Sierra. We knew we were going to stop. You guys were going to stop and go potty a lot. You were going to want your little snacks. And you guys were going to want to go to the petting zoo and not really care about the rides very much. We were going to be petting little bunnies and doing that most of the time. And so we were prepared for that. We knew we we needed to be slow with them. But then they got older and we go to Disneyland. And when we go to Disneyland, I become crazy woman and ask Todd because we are going to go on every single ride. You understand me? Every ride. 
and you're on a mission, I'm on a mission, and I got it all mapped out, and I, I admit sometimes I'll walk ahead, and I'm okay, you know, I'm going to stay present, we're going to do this, but it's like, if you are slow, you snooze, you lose, and sorry, right? And that's it. And I'm not waiting for you, I'm getting on that ride, and I'm going to make sure we get on the front row, and I... I love Disneyland, but I want to go on every ride. So, no. I, I can't even pretend that I will wait around for you because I won't. I really am that way. So, I was going to say just kidding, but no, I really am like that. I can't make apologies. That's how I am. Thank you. That's part of my personality with certain things. So, but, let's see. <laughs> But no, what, um, <laughs> but really, I, I remember I would have such a difficult time when I would hear, you know, how we need each other. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, gosh. I panicked inside because I thought, oh, wow, well, that means I'm going to be disappointed if I have to, you know, if you have to wait for the slowest one. It's like when you're teaching your kids how to do chores and you just end up saying, oh, I'm just going to do it myself because I'll do it faster but, you know, that they don't grow that way. And, and Jesus and the kingdom is all about growth and waiting for the one. And it's, it's not about that. And how many times has, um, you know, have I been the slow one? Have I been, like, falling apart? I mean, just this last month, I was a mess. And I felt like, you know, I just wanted to cry all the time. So he, he waits for the one. And that's what we do for each other. We, we take the time and we... Um, we care for each other. It's, it's not always easy, but this is what he's called us to. But Jesus never fails us. He always comes through for each one of us. He's so good like that. He never disappoints us. He's going to always meet your needs. And he, he built the church in a way that we are to be family. And um, we have some... Some of, sometimes we're weak and sometimes we're strong. And then, you know, it, thank goodness in marriage, Todd and I, we're so glad when only one of us is having a hard time and we're both not struggling at the same time. But, you know, we encourage each other and we lift each other up. And we're not saying to each other, gee, come on, pull it together already. Be like me. Be happy. Um, we, we encourage each other. And that's, that's what the body looks like. That's the way Jesus intended it to be. So I kind of realize I'm talking about several different things here, but I hope that it's tying together in some way. I want to um, pull up this picture of some beautiful redwoods. Thank you, honey, for that picture. This is a redwood forest here. So I love redwood trees. I love going to the forest, and I, I love trees. I... I love trees. Um, I don't want to sound too weird, so that's all I'm going to say. I love trees. <laughs> yes. Are you with me? You like to touch the tree when you go on a walk? Yes. Thank you. Touch them. It's not new age. They. Huh? Yes. Talk to them. Touch them. I love them. Pet them. Yes. I love them. Every time, every time I draw or paint, I think I'm going to do something different, and I always end up painting trees because they're wonderful. 
So redwood trees are the tallest trees in the world. I'm going to read a little few facts here. Their roots only go down 6 to 12 feet into the ground, but they intertwine with other redwood roots. When the wind blows, it doesn't rely on only its own roots, but the whole forest is linked together. That's how it can stand hundreds of years because it has the strength of the whole forest. I didn't know that until recently. That um, that's we can enjoy the beauty of what God's given us because the whole forest is linked together and they rely on each other. And that's super vulnerable for us to, um, to have needs. I know, I, um, I'll be totally honest, that is probably one of the areas that I feel like I'm always growing in the most is expressing my needs because what if he doesn't come through for me? What if people don't come through for me? And, but I'm learning, and I think I am growing in that area a little bit more. My friends tell me I am. I think so. My husband tells me I am. So I, I think I am growing in that area. But I, I want to encourage for some of you that struggle with that, that he is so good. He's, he's so good to meet our needs. He's so faithful. He's so kind, and he's so loving. And there's actually, you know, people actually like when they're allowed, you know, when they get to pray for you and um, when you let them know that, hey, can you encourage me today or something? So I, I just want to encourage you guys with that, that it's okay to have needs, and I validate your needs, and they're, they're all important. So I've talked about surrender and trust and accountability and connection and inviting leadership into your life, and those all sound like um, good concepts, but when we live it out, it, you're going to need lots of courage, and it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it, you guys. Um, I think I just want to pray for you now, and then we're going to have some time. I'll let you know what we're going to do after that, but... Let me pray for you. Jesus, we can't go anywhere without you. We need your leadership in our lives. Just go ahead and posture your heart in a way that you're telling him, you're inviting him in and saying, I need you, Jesus. We just tell you, we can't do things on our own anymore. We don't want to do things in our own strength. In the places that we um, have wanted to control, because it just seems easier, God, would you show us what surrender looks like, what it looks like to dive into you, Jesus? What does it look like to fully fall back into your arms with a childlike wonder, knowing that your arms are open wide and you're going to catch us. We ask, Jesus, that you would just encourage our hearts to trust you like that. Jesus, in the places that we are feeling really vulnerable and scared, God, where we have um, maybe been hurt by others and it, it doesn't feel so safe to trust other people, God, I just ask that you would come so close right now, that your presence would cover those areas, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so trustworthy. I just I want to um, ask forgiveness right now for any of you who have been hurt by a pastor or a leader 
I just ask forgiveness right now, and I just want to tell you, I am so sorry that your heart was injured, that you were hurt. And you didn't deserve that. And as a mom, I want to ask forgiveness right now for any mother in your life that didn't see you, that didn't notice you, that didn't affirm you. I am so sorry. I'm sorry that I wasn't there to teach you, to show you how to do the simple, basic things. You deserve so much more. And Holy Spirit, would you cover each one right now with your comfort and your love like only you can? Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm going to invite... So I've asked um, some others. I've asked if you guys can come on up. I've asked our leaders here in the church to come on up and to pray for you guys. Do you guys have anything before we pray? Okay. And I, I want to encourage you. Um, you can go ahead and start playing some music in a minute. But um, I heard someone say recently that, you know, they didn't have a mother and a father in their life. And so they were always looking for someone to fill that spot. And so they were like, are you going to, are you going to be my mom? Are you going to be my father? You know, to different leaders in her life. And God started showing her that no one person can fill that spot and that it was actually really unhealthy for her to, to expect uh, other pastors and leaders to fill that spot. But that in her life, there was different ones who showed her what a, a healthy mother and father is. So I want to encourage you that, um, Everyone up here is very safe. All of these, the pastors and leaders are very safe. And they each carry a different aspect of what the father heart of God looks like, what the mother heart of God looks like. And so um, I just want to encourage you to come on up and to receive prayer. And feel free to go to several ones if you would like. And, yeah, I just bless you guys. And I love you so much. So, amen.